0: Episode 17, The Basketball Soapbox. In this one, I'll be going over who I believe are the winners and losers of the NBA offseason. Now, these aren't going to be in any particular order. These are just the winners and losers of the NBA offseason, I feel. Um, No particular order, even though with the team, I'm going to start off with first. Now, the first team I have as a winner of the NBA offseason is the home team, the Boston Celtics. Um, Adding Malcolm Brogdon from the Indian Pacers and adding Danilo Gallinari off waivers from the Spurs, are two big additions to our bench. Um, Malcolm Brogdon was a 50 40 90 guy in Milwaukee. Um, his ability the past couple seasons to get to 20 points a game and still be able to distribute is, I think, is a plus for the Boston Celtics, especially if he's going to be used in that six man role. Um, he's able to shoot and play make and be a little bit more stable on the offensive end, especially with the turnovers that the Celtics had in the playoffs. You need stability with the ball at times. Um, even though Marcus Smart has improved as a point guard, he's still going to be the starter there. Malcolm Brogdon can even be brought in there just to provide more shooting, and you can play Smart and Brogdon together. In my eyes, as the the primary playmakers in 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 the offense, and give you just a bunch of different lineups there. Also, the switchability, There, were Malcolm Brogdon is still there, he's six foot si- six foot five with good size. Um, the ability to switch there on the perimeter and hold up defensively in the in the box, which the Celtics have been doing with Smart and Brown and those guys there. So that's a big plus there. You don't lose anything there, especially when Peyton Pritchard was being hunted last year Um, when he was brought off the bench. He's instantly being hunted on defense, but that doesn't mean that he can't be the third guard there. Um, He's still able to shoot and provide some playmaking there. But Malcolm Brogdon brings a little bit more stability there, Um, especially if Smart doesn't have it from shooting it from from the three-point line at times. You can bring in Brogdon to kind of be a little bit more quality shooter there, and, and still have the playmaking there. So you don't lose anything there. If Smart's having a rough night and you can bring in Brogdon to help the offense out. Um, also getting Danilo Gallinari. Uh, he's a career 38% per th- three-point shooter um, and, and, and a veteran in this league. Um, he's going to be able to shoot the ball, especially with the Celtics struggled there, uh, trying to depend on Grant Williams and Peyton Pritchard there in the, in the finals there we saw they were able to do it at times over the course of the playoffs, but you just need a little bit more stability there, a proven guy and, um, He's going to be able to play the three and the four at times uh, in this lineup against the Celtics, and it just gives us a bunch of lineups that I think is going to benefit the Boston Celtics, um, especially if Al Horford, he's getting up there in age, so you need somebody that's going to be able to come in there and still be provide some spacing for Brown and Tatum, and I think that's most going to be the most important. Um, providing those, those uh, uh, stretching the floor for those guys especially and, and, and being able to knock down shots, that's a big plus for those guys there. Um, the Celtics are just going to have, be able to have a ton of lineups that can go small, They can go big, uh, and still have the versatility that they had last season, but just a little bit more depth, especially getting there in the finals. The difference was uh, the Golden State Warriors bench, guys like uh, Payton, uh, Gary Payton, the second there that we saw had a big game. Andre Iguodala was able to come in for a couple minutes. Uh, Belisa was able to come in there for a couple minutes, and that's what the Celtics were kind of searching there for, especially when Grant Williams and Peyton Pritchard didn't have it. So to have guys like Malcolm Brogdon and Danilo Gallinari that can come in and get 15, 20 minutes if possible, if needed, um, that's a big plus. If you need to give Al Horford, who sometimes just doesn't have it on nights, sometimes he's, <laughs> I call him El Presidente right there, um, when he does have it and he's playing big-time games, but some nights he just doesn't have it. So to have that flexibility there, um if smart gets in the foul trouble if brown gets in the foul trouble you can still have a a, a guy off the bench that can shoot and playmaking brogdon and you can have a guy that can space the floor there with dinelo the gallinari which is going to be paying dividends for brown and tatum especially when they're driving the lanes and driving in the crowds they're going to have to think twice before doing te- defensive defensively teams are going to have to think twice before doing that um even though I still think the Celtics do need a big man to solid, solidify that front line um, I think that's going to come over the course of time they have a two-way guy uh, that was beasted in the summer league but they can find that with minimum deals and off the waivers they can have in buyouts possibly so that's I think those are the celtics the uh, the, the the options that the Celtics are exploring down the line but I think the celtics the big winners getting two guys that are, are especially a need for this team yeah. Next is the second winner of the NBA offseason at the Philadelphia 76ers. Um, James Harden signed a two-year, $68 million extension there with Philly, uh, $14 million less per year that he would have been able to get underneath his uh, player option that he declined, I think $47 million thereabout, um, that he declined to to basically create more space for the Philadelphia 76ers to bring in guys that can help them. And that's what I think the Philadelphia 76ers did with the signings of P.J. Tucker and Daniel House. Um, basically, uh, Darren Moore creating a, a 2018 Rockets renaissance there in Philly with Embiid as the big man. Um, those guys played with uh, James Harden in Houston. So, to bring those guys in who can space the floor there, PJ Tucker there, uh, still able to uh, space the floor, especially corner threes, um, able to play tough as nails defense, able to guard the best guy on the perimeter, even at his elder age. I think he's like 37 or something like that. Still willing to guard guys on the perimeter and, and be all out hustle. Uh, especially there with the Philadelphia 76ers who dealt with Ben Simmons, who couldn't shoot, uh, dealt with M- Matisse Thybul, who is not a, a, a guy that can spread the floor there in Philadelphia, despite his great defense there. PJ Tucker can still give you that maybe even to his old age. And we're all kind of just waiting for him to hit the wall. But this three-year deal that he was able to get because James Harden was willing to take less money. Uh, PJ Tucker, three years, uh, 33 million. So that's 11 a year. That that's going to pay dividends there. I, I think uh, I think I think he's going to be able to hold on. Philly has still has enough depth uh, to give him rest if needed. But uh, PJ Tucker, just a roughhouse, a rough rider. That's going to be there for Philly. For Philly he's not going to pull any punches. Um, he's played with Harden, so they have there's some familiarity there with the, between those two. Also bringing in Daniel House on a, a two year, eight million dollar deal, um, four four million a season. So that fits right there where Philly was able to sign those guys, and that's showing. Harden's willing to sacrifice although Harden does have the, a player option next year which he can opt out and then resign for more money which I think is the wink wink deal between him and Darryl Moore there but this still provides a, a, a shooting and defense especially with PJ Tucker even in his old even in his uh, uh getting up there in age there um I think that's a big win for the Philadelphia 76ers they missed those guys that can really shoot the ball they were relying on cork mass um and you can play different lineups there, especially with the switchability of P.J. Tucker. If he gets caught in a pick-and-roll with any of those guys, uh, Tobias Harris, a Tyrese Maxey, um, he's going to be able to, to to hold his own defensively against those guys on the perimeter. Um, and I think that's just big time for Philly. Uh, they, they needed something there, especially after the the whole Ben Simmons fiasco and, and James Harden hopefully can rest his hamstring. I think adding those two guys adds a little bit more depth, a little bit more reliability. Um uh, to, their, to their offense, and especially their team overall. It gives Doc Rivers a little bit more options that he didn't have last year, especially the year, previous years with Ben Simmons there, um, late in games and, and missing all last season there, that whole Ben Simmons saga there, which is they're trying to move in the, the rearview mirror there. Um, but I think those are two big signings for the Philadelphia 76ers. Now, number three, we have a big win-win here, in my opinion, uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Utah Jazz. Now, everyone thinks the Minnesota Timberwolves gave up a lot to get Rudy Gobert, which even in my opinion, I think they did. But I think it was a necessary move that they had to make because they had to figure out a way to bring somebody in who has some credibility, some stability there, and especially a team that's finished, what, bottom five in the past couple years defensively, um, since probably Tibbs was there, to bring in Rudy Gobert, who's going to solidify their front line, uh, uh, give them a little bit more resistance there, where Carl Anthony Towns wasn't able to do as as the, as the big man there, uh, Rudy Gobert is going to do one thing. He's going to protect the rim. He's going to be able to block shots. Now, is there going to be an issue there with him on the perimeter? Potentially. But you have to take this risk if you're Minnesota because they're not a free agent destination. Uh, most people don't sign there besides probably guys who need to up their their stock or, or just a quick stop or just a money grab there. They're not really going to get anybody with uh, a, a, a resume like Rudy Gobert anytime soon. Um, So to take this risk here and give up Malik Beasley and Patrick Beverly and all these guys that uh, uh, filled out your lineup over the past couple years, um, to get a guy like Rudy Gobert is a necessary move I feel like they needed to to make. Um, Rudy Gobert is a three-time defensive player of the year. You you just don't find those guys every day, especially for a struggling defensive team. Um, And for Rudy Gobert to want to go there, um, there was rumors of Toronto and Chicago and other teams like that, who I think are slightly better than Minnesota. But for him to go to Minnesota, have the emerging Carl Anthony Towns there and have Anthony Edwards uh, potential, which looks like uh, uh, a diamond in the rough there, especially with the being the number one pick there a couple seasons ago. Um, to get a guy like that, Rudy, to help this team – move along there, especially defensively. He's automatically going to raise your defense. Uh, offensively, he's going to be able to catch lobs and finish and do things like that. Um, but it opens the door for Minnesota to have potential uh, down the road. And everyone's basically shitting on this move here. But I think it's a, a move that can really help Minnesota move forward. Um, and they're going to have some years to, 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 to fiddle around and develop um, Anthony Edwards and 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 prove to Cat that he can stay there. Because I think that's when everyone's kind of looking at it, everyone's been like, hey, uh, Cat was going to be out the door. He's not going to want to stay here, et cetera, et cetera. He just signed a a big extension. So to have Rudy and Carl Anthony Towns to have some stability on that front line that you know, hey, these guys are going forward. Anthony Edwards is most likely going to sign his rookie extension. Um, How can we build around these guys? You're going to have a lot of shooting, maybe uh, especially a playmaker there at point guard. D'Angelo Russell is still there. But I think they would be looking to upgrade at that spot to see if they can find somebody in the draft or through trade or, or anything. Um, but I think that was a necessary move for Minnesota. Now on the flip side, um, I believe Utah's already buying out Patrick Beverley. I believe that they're in talks. I mean, they haven't done it already. But they have Malik Beasley who they can flip. They still have Jordan Clarkson who can, they can flip. So there's options there. There's been reports there that they're looking to trade Donovan Mitchell, which is understandable. Um, they look like they're heading towards a rebuild. But to have all these picks, They have all these guys that you can flip for more picks. This is what you want to do as a rebuilding franchise. Um, Getting more picks so you can flip in trades, draft how you want to draft, and rebuild this team. Um, Especially in Danny Ainge's vision. He just took over. Um... And let's see how they do it. I think this is a great move for Utah, especially to get five first-round picks, basically fucking up the trade market across the league. <laughs> this trade has basically messed up everything across the league. That's why you see the hesitation with the Kevin Durant trade, which I will get into um, down the line. Uh, but, yeah, just I, I think this is a, a, a great rebuilding move by Danny Ainge, and, and he's even trying to get more picks for Donovan Mitchell, which is being reported. Um, but it's just crazy to think that this is a win-win trade, I think, that's gonna work out for both teams. Um, I think Minnesota's gonna see some progression in their franchise that they haven't seen in a really, really, really long time. Um, potentially a second round exit, I'm thinking. But just to can just to see a move work out for both sides, where it's like, hey, you get something that you desperately need, and we get something that we desperately need to get five first round picks for Rudy Gobert. If you're Utah, that's a that's a safe haven. I still don't like their jerseys. Still don't like the jersey. Let's touch on it. I still don't like the jersey. Those jerseys are terrible. They're awful. But the yellow and black, yeah, I've already been in that. But yeah, I think this is a really good rebuilding move for Utah and a really progressive, uh, progressive move for Minnesota. Uh, more winners that I have for the NBA offseason. NBA extensions: um, Nikola Jokic signing for two hundred sixty-four million. Bradley Beal signing for two hundred fifty-one million. Uh, John Moran, Zion Williamson, Darius Garland, all signing their rookie extensions, which are $193 million. Um, can balloon up to $231 million. That's crazy. Zach Levine signing a, a big extension there, $215 million there in Chicago. Even DeAndre Eaton, even though he didn't get the max that he won last season uh, for the Phoenix Suns, he went out and got $133 million offer sheet from the Indiana Pacers, and the Suns had no choice but to match it or lose him. So to see these guys guys that stay with their franchise and get paid um, is big news for them. most guys signed their rookie extensions. there, but we're seeing bigger contracts on top of that. So congratulations to those guys. Those guys are cashing out um, and, and, and hopefully become franchise cornerstones of their team, uh, which these, uh, the teams are committed to them, paying them all this money. Um, it's just good to see in the NBA, these guys getting paid plain and simple. There's not much here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. last winners of the NBA offseason, I believe, are the Golden State Warriors, uh, the defending champions. I believe their young core of Jonathan Kaminga, Modus Moody, and Jameis Wiseman had a great showing in Summer League. And just to add, think about that, adding to a Curry, adding to a Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, Jordan Poole, even bringing back Tavon Looney. Um, just thinking what those guys can add to that core and give them different lineup options. And just the, the potential of Jonathan Kaminga. I think he's, very, he's a young guy. I think he's only like 19, 20 years old. But the potential he has on both sides of the ball, I think is going to be tremendous for the Golden State Warriors, especially with Andre Aguadala, Draymond Green kind of coaching him up, working with Kerr in that system. I think he's going to be able to be a be a huge positive for the Golden State Warriors. And just looking at what those guys can bring to what are already what the Warriors have, and especially just branching the veterans with the young guys, I think that's going to be... Tremendous for them, and thinking about how they're going to progress during the season and be vital during playoff time. Um, you see Kerr last year trying to plug them in at bits and times there, but to think that they're going to grow and get better as the season progresses and overall be factors come playoff time, I believe they're going to be factors become um, come playoff time. Um, that's scary for the Golden State Warriors, especially when they didn't have Jameis Wiseman last year and they held him out due to his knee issue. Uh, he had swelling there. Now he's coming back. He's going to be an active body and give them a different dimension than Kevon Looney can. Um, it's going to be interesting, and especially with Andre Nguodala and kind of stepping back, Draymond Green's going to be taking a, a – needs a a, a front-line mate there, Kevon Looney, Jameis Wiseman. But I think Jonathan Kaminga on the wing can help, especially defensively, um, just bringing a, a different level of athleticism to the team that wasn't there, mm-hmm. um, that they can bring it there with uh, Andrew Wiggins as well. So, and they still have Andrew Wiggins. So you can't forget about this core that just won the championship and now having these young guys added on top of that. It's just it's just crazy how this team continues to get better, continues to develop, and potentially could be even more scary than they were this last year. Now moving to the losers of the NBA offseason, in my opinion, um, teams that have just been Derailed, always in the headlines for the wrong things and just seem to be going in the wrong direction. Um, Our first team is the Brooklyn Nets. Um, Just a complete turmoil. turmoil. Um, Kevin Durant demanding a trade, Kyrie Irving opting in and then looking to get traded. Uh, DeAndre Ayton signing that uh, offer sheet from the Indiana Pacers and then staying with uh, the Phoenix Suns makes a trade there. More difficult for Kevin Durant potentially. Um, they can still work it out, but there's going to be a lot of roadmaps and a lot of moving parts there. Um, that's probably going to be closed there. Um, just thinking about how a week ago they could have had A.E. and Mikael Bridges and another player and just had an, uh, maybe not a, a superstar core you're looking at, but a good solid core that would have been a, potentially a better uh, 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 functioning team than what you have right now. Um, and to look at it now where they're just trying to find – any suitors for Kevin Durant and of course they have time on their side they have he's has he's on a four-year deal so I mean they have all the time in the world to trade him but just to think that last year you guys were probably favored in the east to potentially having a trade there where you could have got some young core pieces and probably started over and now you're in limbo hostage to the trade demands of these two guys Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving and now you have to make a decision And everything's just running amok. And now all these trade rumors are in limbo. And I said it before in a couple, I believe two videos ago, um, that if this would have happened before the draft, maybe they could have had a little bit more suitors, a little bit more uh, picks out there before everything happened, before everything was shifted with uh, the NBA offseason. They waited until after the draft. um, And now it's just tough. It's just tough to make a trade now. It's tough to move players. And with the NBA season coming up in a couple couple months, two months actually, um, that's difficult. It's it's definitely difficult for the Brooklyn Nets to put together anything that's going to hold any substance here. And they're going to be in rumors for the next year or so about Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. And they've been wanting to wash their hands of these guys. And it's just like, wow, and it it just sucks for the Brooklyn Nets. Um, They had options and now they don't really have options. Their options are limited at this point in time. Uh, we can see towards uh, December 15th when guys are going to be able to be traded again, um, that recently signed contracts, and towards the trade deadline. Um, but right now, they're just they're looking bad. Okay. Uh, my second loser of the NBA offseason, that was Mavericks. Even though they traded for Christian Wood there and a nice move, I think he's there, they're going to be a nice pairing. But not the ability not to flip Jalen Brunson. Um, I thought that was a lost opportunity there, especially with either Brooklyn or or a, a Knicks trade there, you could have got some pieces back, maybe some picks there. And basically just being the fiddle for the New York Knicks, basically, with Jalen Brunson. Uh, them hi, uh, hiring all those guys to uh, appease uh, Jalen Brunson and basically be set up in stone that he was going to New York. And basically just not not really being having the ability to add to your team a uh, 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 to, to maybe move a contract or, or make something happen in the and trade for something there not to happen. I thought that was a missed opportunity for them. Um, yeah, just unfortunate there, because I feel like they could have added to their team, helped Luca get some guys in there that could have helped. Um, they did end up getting Christian Wood in a separate deal. But overall, team-wise, it's like you, you, you're, you're basically stuck with Luca. They did add Dinwiddie uh, last year, but it's just like you feel like that was a missed opportunity where they could have added something to their team. Our next team on the NBA offseason losers, uh, the New York Knicks. I just don't see the lengths they went to go get Jalen Brunson from Dallas, the Dallas Mavericks, um, hiring his father, potential tampering uh, uh, by the league, uh, being investigated, uh, signing Mitchell Robinson uh, to those big deals, committing, what, nearly $160 million between the two for the Knicks, still having Julius Randle on the roster. Um, they're potentially trying to work out a Donovan Mitchell trade. Um and just have and, and, and just looking to do that, exploring that, but you just have Jalen Brunson. You're looking to add Donovan Mitchell who is six one himself was gonna be a small backcourt. Um and I understand Tim's puts the ball in his point guards, his guard's hands and lets them cook, but I don't think that's the right move for the New York Knicks. They have to figure out ways to get better and build some some stability there. And I get that you're going to get two guys that are going to be able to score the basketball, something that the Knicks desperately needed. But I just don't see how this works for the Knicks uh, long term. Um, Maybe in the short term, they get a couple wins, maybe a playoff round. But it's just like you guys are just in the same stagnant treadmill that you guys have been in for nearly two decades now. And I just don't see how Jalen Brunson... Um, helps that tremendously. Um, yeah, I just don't understand this for the Knicks. Next up, we have the Washington Wizards there signing Bradley bill to $251 million. And it's like, what move does this mean for your franchise? I mean, it's in, in Bradley bill, you're not going to turn down that, all that money. That's what he basically stayed there for to get the super max there. Um, Basically, score a bunch of buckets and finish as a Hall of Famer for the, the the Washington Wizards. Get your jersey retired. All the benefits are there. But for the Washington Wizards, I don't know how this helps them now, short-term or long-term. I don't think you're going to get a big hole for Bradley Beal aging and with that contract. So, he's most likely going to be there. How do you build around him? Uh, they traded Caldwell Pulp. Uh, uh, I can't remember the other guy. But they brought in Will Barton from Denver. And, and it's like, what are you guys... I feel like that's a lateral move. Also, you guys still have Porzingis still on their contract, so you're paying all these guys basically just to make the playoffs, and that's what you're settling for. I don't see, I don't think, I don't see how this is a a, a move that moves your franchise forward or in terms of making an impact in the league. Um, they should be bottoming out. They should have bottomed out a couple years ago, and to just continue this trend with Bradley Beal, um, who's a, who's a really good NBA player. Let's not get that wrong. Like I'm not thinking that Bradley Beal is not worthy of the con well, not worthy of the contract that he's getting or not a vi- valuable piece in the league, but the way they're building the team around him doesn't seem like it's gonna work. And looking at this long term, it's like what's the end game for the Washington Wizards? And I understand not every team is gonna win, not every team's gonna compete, but it's like this is just stagnation that you're seeing that you had with the John Wall Bradley Bill era going into the Bradley Bill, Westbrook era. Now just the Bradley Bill Porzingis era, and it's like, you guys are basically pulling at straws here and coming up short nearly every time, and not really making impact, not really making any headway forward, and it's like, what are you guys doing long term here? And I, I can't answer it. <laughs> I guess they have Bradley Bill They got a guy who's going to probably reti- they're going to retire his jersey and 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 have that going for them. But it's like, I don't think this is going to be a Reggie Miller. Uh, uh, type of field where you get a couple cracks at the title or you get a cap- couple cracks at the Eastern Conference Finals. I don't see that for the Washington Wizards. No. Not with this team. Um, I'm just not seeing it. Even though they have some guys that I, I like. Kyle, Kyle Kuzma played big time for them last year. Um, Bradley Beal himself. And it's just like, I don't know what direction this franchise is going to go. Yeah. Last in our NBA offseason losers, and the last one to wrap up this video, we got the Los Angeles Lakers, uh, signing Lonnie Walker, to sign Anderson, and basically just being a clusterfuck, trying to figure out what they're doing with Russell Westbrook. Obviously, they're trying to position themselves to get a Kyrie Irving, and obviously Brooklyn wants a hole, even for Kyrie Irving, even if it's picks or whatever the case would be, they want extra picks, the Lakers don't have that. Um, I don't know if protections are getting in the way, but there seems to be a little stagnation there between that deal going down. You, you're you bringing in Lonnie Walker. You're bringing in Juan Sasano Anderson. It's like you guys kind of need shooting and defense. And I don't think those guys bring that to, to the table or make an impact. They have uh, – uh, what's the guy's name? Tucker there, who they're probably positioning to trade and try to boost his value and trade with those minimal contracts to bring another guy in who can be valuable – maybe have some buyouts at the at the buyout market um, towards the trade deadline and revamp that way. And right now it's like I just don't see any of that happening for the Los Angeles Lakers. And, and they just look terrible right now because they're trying to figure out what Russell Westbrook, Darvin Ham's trying to try get Russell Westbrook to play defense, uh, play a different way. And I just don't see that happening with Russell Westbrook um, at this point in time in his career. They're going to try to make it work, but I just don't think it's going to work there. They obviously want Kyrie Irving, uh, who will be a better fit, better scoring option, uh, uh, playing around AD and LeBron. Um, So it's just really just been a clusterfuck for the Los Angeles Lakers. You got LeBron playing in the Drew League. (laughs) You got Anthony Davis working out again. You got Russell Westbrook. Uh, and LeBron James avoiding each other at Summer League. All these things happening with the Los Angeles Lakers. You got Jeannie Buss making tweets, uh, uh, saying she misses Kobe. All these things that's happening with the Los Angeles Lakers, and it's just all negatives. You don't see any positives for the Los Angeles Lakers going into the upcoming season. Um, The only thing that gives them a chance is healthy LeBron, healthy AD, and they're able to play at a level that captivates the rest of the team and gets everybody to buy in. And I just don't see it at this point in time. And it all and I think it all hinges on Anthony Davis, his health, uh, what he's able to do on both sides of the ball. Is he able to be dominant? Is he going to be able to stay healthy, most importantly, because that's what they really need. They need him on the front line to stay healthy. Then they can kind of piece together and try to figure everything out. LeBron's going to be LeBron. He's going to get his 25-7-7 that we've seen for the past 20 years. That's going to happen. Is he going to hold up defensively? That predicates on Anthony Davis' health, in my opinion. And all these young guys that they're trying to sign and figure out and, and and try to build this roster. It's like, that's not the way this is going to work. The Lakers are going to have to exhaust every option to try to make this work or end up rebuilding and re phasing or rehauling this, uh, this whole team. Um, potentially with LeBron James leaving. He said he only has what I think this is his last year on his deal. He's not going to re up. He's not going to sign an extension right now. That just doesn't make any sense. He's been playing this card since Cleveland. Um, So that's basically holding the Lakers hostage right now. And if the Lakers are going to sit there and be like, hey, fine, LeBron, you can leave, whatever, we don't care. How are they going to continue to build around Anthony Davis, who's left on the roster? Or they're just going to tear it down and rebuild and try to get some draft picks. That's an option that I don't hear many people talking about. Them basically clearing house and saying, hey, we're going to try to clear cap space, get some shorter contracts, get some picks, and try to figure this out later. And really start the rebuild that they started years ago and do it over. Is it possible that they do that? I don't know. Lakers have been a star-driven franchise for their whole existence since the 70s. So to think that they wouldn't try to keep this going and trying to figure out a way to make the playoffs, make the conference finals, get to the finals, that's what their goal is. No one's talking about them totally rebuilding, and they have ways to do that. People are still going to trade for Anthony Davis. As crazy as it might seem, people might trade for LeBron James. Depending on his location, maybe there's something that you could work out where he can get traded and sign a deal somewhere else and feel comfortable and finish out the rest of his career. Russell Westbrook, is just looking to get a pick or a player or a shorter contract or just basically clear his money off the books. Um, but, yeah, this is the thing that I haven't heard many people talk about is potential rebuild in L.A. No one has talked about that, and I think that's probably the best route for them. Um, try to get as many assets as you can and try to lick your wounds on the way out of this because this has been a clusterfuck since <laughs> bringing LeBron in, yes, you won a championship, Magic stepping down, all the turmoil with Rob Palenka, Jeannie Bus, LeBron James, Rich Paul, all these guys, all these different varying moving parts. It's like a soap opera. I guess you wouldn't have it any different in L.A. And that will do it for episode 17 of the Basketball Soapbox. I hope you guys enjoyed that. Like, comment, subscribe. Uh, to the podcast on Spotify and YouTube. Um, I don't know what I'm doing for my next episode. I've been thinking about some brainstorming ideas, maybe some overrated teams back in the day, or maybe looking at player empowerment over the past couple years and and how that's uh, uh, evolved over the decades and looking into that. So there's some options on the table that I'm still exploring. If you guys have any ideas or anything that you want to listen to, uh, like, comment, subscribe, and let me know.